Hey friends, thank you for tuning into the Dill Farm Podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of The Deal Farm, we get to chat with Nitti Jamdar about his new book and the amazing systems he's built to scale a full-time burr business. Can't wait to share this with you. See you on the other side. Ken, how you doing today? Man... I couldn't be better. I am in recovery mode from last week, digging out from everything. What a great week last week. Wasn't that oh, awesome? Man. I love having our franchisees come to town and we did our big annual first annual summit. Inaugural. The inaugural summit. The inaugural summit. Couldn't have gone better. Just man, I love our folks. Just so many good people came to town and got to network with each other. It was killer. It was. It was a. It, it, I have to say, it exceeded all expectations. People coming in from all over the country. I know we we like these folks. You know, we've gotten to know each one of them. You know, through the process of them getting up and running. But just seeing them spend time with each other was super rewarding. Made just for an outstanding week. Uh, you gotta love to see lots of cross pollination across all these different markets and different people and different experience levels. And uh, agreed. I mean, exceeded our expectations. You over. You know, this being the first one. You don't want to lay a big egg and flop right out of the gates. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And no. thank God we didn't. It was it was very successful. But you're right. There was so much energy and resources and time that went into pulling this thing off. This week is like a big sigh. Okay, it's done. It's not hanging over our shoulders. Yeah, a bit of a sigh of relief. And at the same time, it's like, holy moly, life continued to happen while we were gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now, now right back into it, back yeah. into the fire. Yep. Um, hey, I am super excited about today's guest. Yeah, I am as well, because, you know, after talking to these folks across the country, there is sort of a renewed interest in building a rental portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I think maybe the misnomer is that there's not opportunities to buy. Interest rates are too high. Just sit and wait, which I think is ridiculous. There's still plenty of opportunities to buy rental real estate. So, yeah, your interest rate's a little higher, but that doesn't mean you can't cash flow. That's right. This is not the time to sit and wait. This, this There's opportunity right now. I was sitting with our agents yesterday and I was pulling up graphs, just kind of looking at the market together with everybody. We do a monthly meeting and the price per square foot has not dipped once. It has continued to just climb and climb and climb. You look at that chart. I'm like, guys, it's not slowing down. We're, we're going to continue to see prices increase, at least in our market. We're seeing that. Yep. I know some of your overheated markets like Austin have seen dips. But the, the trend is the trend. And you look over the last 50 years, real estate's only dropped in value like four of the last 50 years or something crazy like that. It just continues to go up. So sitting on the sidelines and waiting to, to build a rental portfolio makes no sense to me. Yeah, the, the key is figuring out how to do, okay, interest rates are higher, figure out how to do it with high. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you got to adjust your strategy. But but you're right. Now, now is the time to jump in and not to sit and wait watching prices increase. Well, and there's some really good strategies around that. Obviously, people are familiar with Burr strategy, you know, where you try to re rinse your capital, you put it in, you pull it back out and you keep doing it. Uh, but I, I, I love this uh this author we're bringing on today, Nitsi, who's just really built out a scalable model of how to implement the Burr strategy. So I think we bring him in. What do you think? I love it. Let's get him in here. All right. So Nitsi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ken and Kevin, for having me. Yeah, great to have you today. We really appreciate it. No, it's great to be here. 
So, Nitty, this is the first time we're meeting, um, but you and I kind of run in the same bigger pockets circle, and you just published a book, which we'll get into. But um, I'd love, I don't know anything about your history. So, maybe take me to the very, very beginning. How did you find yourself in real estate? What were you doing before real estate? And why? Or, how in the world, real estate? <laughs> That's right. That's a great question. So, we were, um, you know, we sort of followed the traditional path in life, right? When I say we, my wife and I, we uh, got our, uh, degrees and you uh, climb the corporate ladder for a few years and you follow the traditional path of earning income and somehow, you know, hoping and praying that everything works out eventually. And we did that for a good 15 years. Um, so, you know, we both worked in corporate for a long time and we were climbing the ladder and we, um, you know, we really were trying really hard to, and we were first generation immigrants, right? So we're trying to make it and we're we're thinking we're doing the right thing. Um, and then we are maybe in our uh, mid thirties and we've been in corporate for a good, you know, 10 plus years. And we realized that we, well, the path that we're on doesn't necessarily lead us to the kind of financial freedom or the time freedom that we were looking for. And then we had kids. And so we had, um, at that time, we had a two-year-old and a two-month-old. And my wife went to her boss and she's like, hey, can I, get some time off from work uh, to spend some more time with, with my newborn. And they were like, nope, not really. <laughs> so and she's like, can I get some flexibility? They're like, no. And she's worked there 10 plus years. And so that's when we realized that our time was not our own, right? Even though we'd worked so hard to get there. And then the other thing we realized was it was just, we were creating income, but it wasn't translating to wealth. Like we were putting our 401k, but we really didn't have too much to show for it at the end of the day. And we both love real estate. Like we used to watch all these shows. And Ken, you had a show on AGTV, right? And mm -hmm. so yep. uh, we we watched all these shows and we loved real estate. And so we kind of naturally gravitated towards that. We bought a rental and we we're like, wait, this is this is amazing. And so that's how we kind of got started in real estate. But it was really more out of like, we need to do something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, so what, I'm just curious, what year was that, that you guys were like, hey, let's find a, a, a way to get into real estate? So this was 2016 Okay. when, yeah, that's when our son was born and we were like, wait, um, you know, something needs to change. Yep. Yep. And real estate was obviously kind of on the mend at that point, but still plenty of good buying opportunities in 2016. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, so uh, you're in Philly, is that right? Yeah. So we, we lived in Philly and right, right now we just outside of Philly, but we lived in Philly, Philly for a long, long time. And that's where we also invest. So a lot of different ways to get into real estate, you know, whether it's, you know, buying a coaching program or, you know, jumping on a website like Bigger Pockets. How did, what was the entry point for you? It's like, how did you decide, hey, we're going to figure this out and do it on our own? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when we first started, we actually bought our first investment in real estate was a rent ready uh, three bed, one bath house that was close to where we lived. And, we're like, what if we bought this and just rented it out? It was like rent ready, no work needed, right? So we bought it, we rented it out. And we did that for a couple of houses. And we saw the cash flow coming in and we saw the appreciation. And we're like, wait, this is amazing. Like we need to do more of this and faster. And so one of the challenges at that time was like every time we wanted to buy a house, we had to put in like 50, 60, $70,000 down, right? Because you're putting 20% down, 25% down plus closing costs. 
So we were like, wait, that is a big constraint that we have. Like, how do we buy a lot more houses? And so that went, and we used to devour like podcasts and books at the time. And we're like, what do we, how do we do this? What do we, like, what do we need to do? And so we stumbled upon the burst strategy and we're like, wait, this kind of achieves what we're trying to achieve and it removes the capital constraint and you can recycle your money. And that's when we're like, okay, this is, this is the right strategy for us. And just curious what your day job was when, when you guys started investing and, and, and are you still doing that or are you full-time real estate now? So we're full-time real estate. I was in um, uh, I was in finance and strategy for a long time in my career for a Fortune 100 company. I was, um, you know, um, here in Philly, headquartered with a company here in Philly. And I did that for like 12 years with that same company. Uh, my wife, Pollock, she was an engineer. So she worked with a, a, a glass manufacturing company also on sort of the strategy side. And so we both, so Pollock left her job in 2016, 2017, um, and we became a single income family, and then we still had to figure out, you know, how to grow our portfolio. And then I left my job in 2020, so it's been three, three and a half years. Right. So you were able to replace your income really in just a matter of a few years, three, four years. How were, I'm curious, how were you sourcing those properties? How, was it just MLS? How did you find those properties? So it was, it was a combination, right? So at first, when we first started, it was more just MLS and what came up on the market. And then slowly we uh, realized we need to increase the the properties that we're looking at and increase the pool of, um, of deals. And so that's when we started looking at off-market properties, uh, wholesalers. So we work a lot with wholesalers and we really grew our list of wholesalers over time. And, um, you know, and, and what happens is that once you do it for a while and you have these great relationships with wholesaler, wholesalers and realtors, they come to you first with a good deal. And so, you know, we keep expanding that and, and the more and more deals then, then come to you. And were all those deals right there in Metro Philly that you were acquiring? Correct. So this is all in and around sort of the uh, the Philly area, uh, which is just outside of the the center city. So it's still Philadelphia city, but it's sort of the up and coming neighborhoods in in Philadelphia. And what mm -hmm. were you buying at the time? And what are maybe even to, to even up to today? What are you buying? Yeah. So we were at that time. We started with single family homes. We did a few single family homes first. Then our first multifamily was we bought three triplexes that are side by side. And then that was amazing. This that one property actually replicated Pollock's income in terms of cash flow. And we're like, this is amazing. And it took us like a year to do that project, but it was it was amazing. Um, and then now we do a combination of single family homes, duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes. We've done a 15 unit building. Um, and we do larger projects too, but we, you know, this is like our core uh, with the birth strategies, like, and we love single family homes because it's, it's, it gives you a lot of flexibility too. Like you can sell whenever you want. You have a higher, a larger pool of buyers when you go to sell it. Renters live there for a longer period of time. So we do a, a mix of, um, you know, single and, and multifamilies. Gotcha. And so what does your uh, portfolio look like today? Having kind of started in 2016. Yeah, so so right now our portfolio is around ten million dollars um, total, and we have um, you know a mix of singles, you know, as I said, and and multis, and we um, and we grow. We try to grow our portfolio two to three million dollars every year mm -hmm. because again, like we're recycling the same cash, right? And it's it's once you learn how to leverage and once you learn commercial financing, which is so critical, then it's uh, it opens up so many more doors. 
And so I'm curious, like how much did you say, all right, we're going to start with call it a hundred grand, like this, the seed money, and then just recycle it. Like, what did that number look like for you? And how many times have you recycled that? Right. And we, so when we first started, it was literally, we had the first house we bought, the first Burr strategy, the uh, house that we bought, it was, we did not do it right. We put like 50K, we didn't know anything about commercial financing or hard money financing. So we basically put $50,000 on our credit. We had a line of credit in our personal name and we realized that was the wrong way to do it because it, it lowered our credit score because, you know, it, it shows up as, as, uh, uh, as credit, um, uh, short-term credit on your report. And so um, at that time we brought in cash, but then we quickly realized that there's a way to do it through commercial financing where we brought anywhere between 20 to 30K uh, of cash per per property and then recycle that after the property was done. And as you do more deals, you get better and better terms for the loans, right? So we right now, if you want to do a single family home, we bring anywhere between 10 to $15,000 per property and then we recycle that when we refinance. I'm curious who you're getting your financing through these days. I mean, I know there's a lot of the hard money lenders now have 30 year loans. They didn't have that even that many years ago, but now a lot of folks have access to different institutional money. And it's not even that different than conventional, maybe a point higher. I'm curious kind of what that's looked like for you. That's right. And, you know, when we first started 2015, 2016, um, Pollock had to call a hundred different lenders to find one that would fund our deal. Because at that time, like Burr was fairly new and mm-hmm. it wasn't that mainstream yet. And so we had to really find, and and at that time, even for the long-term refinance, we paid, um, you know, interest as a high as 7%, 7.5% because it wasn't a thing back then. And now like uh, financing is the easiest part because now there's so many lenders out there that'll fund you um, if you want the short-term lending for the purchase and the rehab. And then when you're trying to do the long-term, as you said, for the 30-year fixed, you can get uh, you know so many lenders uh, out there that, that do that. So I think it is like a, a huge, huge change in favor of the investors in the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely become more accessible. I'm, you know, along Kevin's line about sourcing, I mean, when you're talking about acquiring two to $3 million worth of of property every year, especially uh, in, you know, they're not, if they're a single family, you're talking one at a time, you guys must have help. Do you have a staff? Is it just you guys? What does it look like in terms of acquiring and then managing this? Great, great question. So, um, you know, this is really, we don't have a big staff. So we don't have, we have zero full-time paid employees, right? So all we have is our general contractor that we worked with for, for years. And, you know, he has a big team so he can scale up and down as needed. Um, we have a, a, you know, pool of lenders. We have, um, you know, a property management company. So, you know, at first we used to do our own property management. That time we had a couple of employees, but that was really difficult. Like property management, a lot of people once you get to a certain point, property management is its own business because there's just so much that goes into it. So we're like, wait, either we can focus on scaling our portfolio um, or we can do the operations. And so we were very clear when we first started that we wanted to do three things, right? We wanted to uh, scale with limited capital, with limited time, because we didn't want this to become a full-time job. Um, and we wanted to do it uh, in a short period of time. So with that sort of end goal in mind, we said, okay, how do we do it uh, where we can outsource as much as we can through systems and processes and teams um, and uh, and be able to scale? So 
really that's that's about it. And when, when you have your systems and processes dialed in, like for instance, when we do acquisitions, we do it in waves. So we'd be like, okay, now we're in acquisition mode. We're going to let tell every realtor, every wholesaler out there that we're in the on the market looking for properties. And they'll send us like all these deals. Sometimes we'll find, you know, one seller selling three single families and a duplex. And we're like, okay, let's buy that. Right, because it's you can negotiate more when you're buying like a, a few properties at the same time, and so that's what we do. And then we buy like a 15 unit um, and uh, a quadplex and a single family, and then we'll we'll acquire it, and we'll take time to kind of digest it because we have to do the rehab properly, you know, all that stuff that goes into it, and then we'll wait for a few months until all the rehab is done, it's rented out, and then as we're getting to pull the cash out, we buy more. We go into acquisition mode again. Gotcha. Interesting. So you'll buy a handful at a time, kind of stop rather than on a regular cadence. Interesting. That's right. Now, do you guys have a specific buy box? Are you like, it's got to be this vintage, it's got to be at least a two bath? What does what sort of that buy box look like for you guys? Absolutely. So, um, and we talk a lot, it's, it's especially for, so this we also keep in mind as we're doing our invest uh, uh, um, investing, but even for new investors, we say the three S rule, small, simple, and scalable. Right. So start off, if you're starting out, even if it's done a couple of deals, do a small deal for a small deal, meaning three bed, one bath, that's low risk. You know what you're getting into. It's easy to finance. It's easy to sell, easy to rent out. Uh, simple in the sense that, you know, don't, we don't like look for a needle in a haystack kind of deal where we like, oh, it has to be, um, you know, certain kind of uh, property where we can get it for the lowest price. Like we don't do that. Like where somebody's like, oh, it has to have a complex, a cloudy deed, and you know you have to go after it, and you might get it for cheaper. We don't do that kind of stuff because that slows us down. <laughs> it's more work than it's worth, and so like keep it simple and keep it scalable, so you can buy many at the same time. And so right now for a single family, we do like a three bed, one bath. Um, you know, that's kind of, and uh, in Philly, depends on where you're investing. Like in Philly, for instance, a lot of houses are really old because it's a really old city. So most of the houses that we buy are like hundred years old. <laughs> and wow. so there's specific kind of challenges that come with that. Right. I mean, the good thing is that these older houses, you can, they're pretty solid. Um, like the foundation is really good and they last like at that time, the, uh, the code, the building code was a lot stricter. So it was, you know, these are pretty solid homes. Uh, but anyway, we're rehabbing them. So if you're putting in, um, you know, new electric, new plumbing and all that. So you're you're making it brand new on the inside. Um, so that's for single families. And then uh, similarly for duplexes, triplexes, we're like, as long as it cash flows, as long as it, um, you know, good solid property, if it has like, if it's a fire damaged property and if it, ha if it needs $100,000 in, in, um, structural work, for instance, we stay away from those because again, we want, it's about velocity of money. It's about how quickly we can move through projects. Sure. So I'm, I'm curious then kind of what, what are the numbers hash out? Like what's, the, what are you aiming for in terms of like price to rent? How much all in, what, what do the numbers look like in Philly? Right. So for a single family, you want, um, at least a, uh, you know, I always say you want to take out 20% for CapEx, OpEx and vacancy from your rent, right? Because you have to account for that. Most people don't account for the expenses and they think their cash flows $500 a month, but it's not. <laughs> and is. so, you know, accounting for that, um, you know, as long as it's, um, you know, $200-ish plus in cash flow a month, um, as long as we can cash out, um, you know, 90, 95% of our money, uh, sometimes we'll, you know, 
pull out more than we put in and that's fantastic when that happens but it's hard to know that sometimes going in um but that's kind of our criteria and then um you know and with the higher interest rates people are like wait how do you invest with the high interest rates it's it's we used to do that back in 2015 2016 when we got really high interest rates. It's just a question of what the other levers are, right? Like how much do you buy it for? What the rehab is, what the ARV is, and you can only do deals and you should only do deals that make sense once you put it through the deal analyzer. And if the numbers make sense. What are the price points in Philly? Like what are you buying them for today? So today, if you want to buy a single family home, you can buy, depending on the neighborhood, you can buy it anywhere between 70 to $100,000-ish, depending on the condition. Wow. Uh, for a three bed, one bath. Yeah. There's so a lot of inventory in, in Philly at that. Yes. Philly is, that's the, that's the good thing about Philly is that it's still very affordable. And so now there's still neighborhoods that have appreciated a lot. So neighborhood that we invested in three or four years back, we can't invest there now because the prices have gone up, which is great. So now we're like, all right, what's the adjacent neighborhood that's coming up now? Because the development is always spreading outward. Sure. Wow, so that it's still affordable, and so rents in that scenario, you buy, you're buying it for seventy, you're putting some money, so, in, maybe you're in it for a hundred. What are you getting in rent? Exactly. So, so say like, um, say you buy the property for seventy thousand dollars, and you put in fifty thousand dollars worth of rehab in it, um, and it appraises for one seventy to one eighty, um, and then the rents are around fifteen to sixteen hundred. The rents have gone up actually quite a bit. Um, so yeah, rents are around 1600 ish. So you could be all in at 120, getting 1500 to 1600 in rent on a fully renovated house. That's right. In good areas or are these, are these difficult tenants? These are, these are up and coming areas. So, um, I would call them sort of B minus C neighborhoods. They're not D. So we stay away from D neighborhoods because there are neighborhoods in Philly where the ARVs of properties are like sixty, eighty thousand dollars We don't want to go there. We, we want to go where the ARVs are a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, that way we can, you know, better uh, sort of pool of tenants as well to choose from. Right, right. And those numbers are solid. Yeah. I'm curious in Pennsylvania or maybe in Philly specifically, what are what does it look like to get a tenant out? Because that's always a deciding factor, you know, when somebody's going into a yes. market. What are the landlord laws like? Absolutely. So Philly is not the most landlord friendly city. <laughs> so that is I the wonder. downside. I wonder. <laughs> that is, that's right. And so, um, you know, it's... Uh, it, like evictions are tough. Uh, it takes time. And, um, but, you know, on the other hand, like what we saw during COVID was there's a lot of uh, programs that the government had to help, um, you know, with rent for people who fell behind or lost a job. So there's enough rental assistance programs that are out there. Um, also, Section 8, like we're big believers in Section 8. It is so amazing. Huh. I mean, one, you're you know, truly helping somebody in need, uh, but also like it's it's really great rents for Section 8. Yep. You just got that property inspection every year and they always find something. But as long as you can kind of get over that hurdle. That's right. Uh, you know, and, and but to offset that, too, uh, you know, there's typically we see um, I read a stat somewhere that. Uh, Section 8 tenants stay at a, at, at a property for eight to nine years. And that, you know, vacancy wow. is such a big cash killer, as you guys know. And so yeah. that's huge as well. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, what yeah. a great stretch. So you've obviously got a good partnership with a property management company there. Did you have to vet a number of different ones before you found the one you like? And then what does their we model did. look like? Yeah. So, you know, that's property management is always a work in progress. Like, you know, it, you always have to stay on top of your property managers because 
you know, you, uh, I think of us as the asset managers and then them as the property managers. So we still have to, you know, take a lot of the decisions, make sure that they're not overspending, uh, make sure they're not like the charges are are appropriate. So we always have to go through that with a fine tooth comb. Uh, and we have weekly meetings with them to make sure we are looking at, you know, all the work and we're very proactive about fixing things that are that need work because, um, you know, that's that's important to us to make sure the tenants are happy. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, it is. It is definitely, and we vetted. We vetted a few property managers when we first started, um, and we we're always looking. We we're always talking to more property managers and kind of seeing how they do things. Um, so either we could improve what we're doing currently, or maybe at some point, if you want to switch, we we have that option. That makes sense. Yeah, it's such the. It's, it really is the linchpin to your model. If yes. You have to have a good property manager in there because everything falls apart otherwise. That's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you kind of, you know, your book, maybe talk to, about your book. Again, the name of the book is Accelerate Your Real Estate. Maybe talk to us about kind of what it does in terms of Burr, because you sort of take the Burr strategy, the strategy and then put it on steroids. What What is that about? Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it is Burr on steroids. So, uh, you know, when we first started, we when we first started doing Burr, we saw a lot of people, a lot of other investors that are doing Burr and that had a um very different way of doing burr so a lot of people would um you know use their own cash for burr right they didn't know how to leverage and a lot of people did their own projects so they would go in and put up the tiling and the cabinets and all that which is great like if you enjoy it that's great but it it slows you down from scaling um you know a lot of people didn't understand financing a lot of people didn't uh, so a lot of investors that we saw were essentially mom and pop investors right so they they bought one property a year and then they would do it up and then do another one the next year and so we were very clear from the beginning that we wanted to scale fast a lot faster and we didn't want to wait until we we're 60 to retire we want to do it in five years um and so we basically thought we kind of reverse engineered that into saying okay what do we need to do to be able to buy more properties uh, you know, rehab more properties, rent more properties. And so that's when we came up with the scale framework that we talk about in the book, which is really goes hand in hand with every step in the board process. So buy, you need to think of the buying process as scalable acquisitions and deal analysis. So that's the S in scale. So scalable acquisition deal analysis. So thinking of your, uh, your buy process as sort of a funnel, Right, like how many deals are you looking at every week? Are those do those deals match the criteria? Are you investing in the right neighborhood? Are you looking at the right property avatar? And once you do that, do the numbers work? How many offers are you putting in each week? If you put in one offer a week, chances are it's not going to work out. If you want to buy one property a week, you need to put in at least six to seven offers for one of them to be accepted, and you can negotiate and and get it under contract. Uh, and so really looking at your deal analysis like a funnel and then you know trying to figure out where the blockage is and and really scale it and increasing the deals, of course, that you're looking at as we talked about earlier. The next step is um, uh, instead of rehab, you want to look at it as construction without the DIY, right? So how do you hire a general contractor who has good systems and processes? So for instance, a lot of the rehab that we do, we do virtual walkthroughs with our contractor to make sure everything is, and that way we can do it more frequently. We have people who go to the property to look at, to make sure a third neutral third party, to make sure that the rehab is going the way it's, it needs to be going, right? So you put in all these systems and processes in place. So that's for the for the construction piece. Then it's the um, you know 
adding cash flow, which is a rent, how do you rehab the property in a way that it gives you the most amount of rent? So really studying the market to say, okay, what are the rents going to be if I do this this sort of re- renovations? What what am I going to get? And so we always do slightly above market renovations, mm-hmm. right? We're like, okay, we know we want to put in the granite countertops, we want to put in the stainless steel appliances, um, because that one it increases your ARV um, and helps you pull your cash out, but also it's great to rent because it's it's, it's attracts great tenants, right? It's yep. easy to rent the property. Yep. Um, and then after a couple more steps, um, which is the L, which is the leverage and commercial financing. So instead of just financing, think about leverage is such an amazing part of what we do in real estate. And a lot of people st- still don't understand like the power of that leverage and how they can maximize it using commercial financing and took us, and I come from a finance background and it took me like a year to understand commercial financing because there's a lot that goes into it, right? Like sure. the terms are a little bit different. The lenders are a little bit different. And so really understanding commercial financing. And we talk about that in depth in the book and then ease for exponential growth, which is how do you put in, uh, you know, systems and processing t- teams throughout the process where you're really leveraging the 80-20 principle, right? How do you spend, what are the things that you spend 20% of the time on that gives you 80% of the results and yeah. doing and focusing on those? Yeah. And so for you guys, it, what's interesting is that it doesn't sound like you've even had to build a big team. Because in my mind, when you start talking about scaling and leveraging, it's like staffing. I got. I need to put people underneath me who are doing the work, and you guys haven't had to really do that. That's what's interesting. Yes, and we we were so clear that we don't want to build a big team for that reason because. Yeah. And so you know, you just there's so many services out there now that you can hire as contractors, mm-hmm. right? And so you don't need to pay them throughout. You just pay them on a per project basis, and it's so much easier. And you guys are doing this full time now too, though. So this is this is That's your right. job. This is your business. So you guys are. Both of you are in the business together, man. man Correct. Yeah. Correct. And this well, picks off split- enough cat. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. I was going to say, well, how do you guys split duties as far as you guys are doing this as a couple? Who does what, you know, between the two of you? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's interesting because in a sense, we're clones of each other. So we can't, because we've done, we grew as a small business, right? So, and as a small business at a small investor, you learn to do everything. So we both learn to do everything, but then we realize that we still have sort of our areas that we, that we shine in. So I focus a lot on deal analysis and finding deals and underwriting the properties to make sure it works and building those connections up front so we can increase our deal flow um, and all that. And and Pollock, uh, my wife, she's really good with like numbers uh, when it comes to the operation side, like making sure, you know, everything, the rehab is going fine. And uh, she's really good at processes. So she's set up like so many SOPs, like there's an SOP for everything. Like, you know, what what does the rehab look like? What kind of finishes to be put in everybody in our team knows exactly what needs to happen and you know that's by design that's all her so it's that's how we kind of do it and then we can jump in as needed yeah that's amazing mm-hmm. so you guys took your handful of years of experience and condensed it into a book just said here's here's kind of what we learned along the way and what's worked for us and that when, when did that book go live so this was about three months back okay awesome. yeah and how's that yeah. been launching a book? I'm assuming this is your first book you've written. I'm assuming it is. Yes, it's our. It's it actually Palak has co-written a book before, but this is our first like book where we talk about you know what we did and how we did, and it was amazing. Like it took us like a year, year and a half to put all the learnings and everything that we had into in a way that you know it's 
it's easy for people to read. Like we didn't want this to be like, you know, uh, a textbook. It still reads well. We put in a lot of our personal stories in there and, uh, you know, a, a lot of the strategies and tactics that we used as well. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, it's so practical. Again, people, people nowadays, burrs become part of our vernacular. People understand burr. And in maybe somebody does them on a one-off, two-off basis, but to really scale it, I like the fact that your book is like, look, if you really want to double down and make a career or make a business out of the birth strategy, here's how you scale it. And uh, you've provided what I think is a really cool roadmap for somebody to follow, especially somebody that wants to exit the corporate world and do this full time. That's exactly right. So folks, again, the name of the book, Accelerate Your Real Estate. And uh, Nitty, where can they find it? So um, you can buy it on Amazon, um, Accelerate Your Real Estate, um, or you can go to BiggerPockets website and buy it from there. Yep. But yeah, it's it's available for both. Awesome. Guys, check it out. Super applicable. Still lots of opportunity around the country and plenty of markets to buy and rent and renovate and repeat and, and rinse and do That's it again. That's right. I love That's it. That's right. Nidhi, great to meet you. Thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ken and Kevin, for having me. All right. Man, was that good or what? That was so good. Who knew Philadelphia, man? What an opportunity! I think I would have assumed it was more expensive. I don't. I, didn't, I guess I don't think I, I realized that it was going to be that affordable. Still, no. Yeah, I, I absolutely would have thought the same thing. I thought it was really interesting too, just how much success he's getting with with old properties, hundred year old properties. Right, right. And he's, you know, a lot of people just put band aids on properties and try to rent them. I like the fact that he's like, no, let's fix this thing up. Let's put 50 grand into it, replace the windows and do all the things you need to do. Granite countertops. And then let's get a really good tenant in here. And let's, yep. and also he's trying to max out the ARV so he can pull his capital back out. But to me, that's the right approach. Go ahead and fix it all in the front end and have a solid uh, house that you, you know, that you're going to be renting for the next however many years. Yeah. And he's using leverage and the, and the, the interest rates are not scaring him off at all. And he's, he's doing this not just at scale, but at pace, man, he is, he's growing at a fast pace. Yep. And it's really replaced two corporate incomes between him and his wife and then are and building wealth on top. They're building cash flow, but they're also building wealth at the same time. And you're talking about adding you know $3 million to your portfolio every year. He's building wealth at a really fast clip. Yeah, and just recycling that, that recycling that working capital just over and over and over. Man, what what a great strategy in a great it. spot too. Yep, yep. I, I need to get a hold of that book because uh, I love the ideas of of scaling the burst strategy. So to accelerate your real estate, maybe I'll put a, a link to it in the show notes for for people. Yeah, let's definitely do that. I I love it. I, I thought it was a good show today. I think we should do it again next week. I don't know about you. I'm ready for it. I'm for up it? for next week. I am so ready for next week. I'm up for it. Let's do it. All right, man. See you next week. See ya. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. Hey friends, just a final thought before you check out. You know, so many of us are going 100 miles an hour through life. We're weighed down by stress or worry or even that haunting feeling of emptiness. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
I've actually put together a quick resource at faithcrossroad.com where I share just a little bit about the faith that gives me hope and purpose and identity, and I'd love to share it with you. Again, faithcrossroad.com.